looking at all those different fears those kids mention. I, mean, I love that little girl when she says the error message on her computer is the, is the worst one. Uh, if that's your biggest fear, I think she's doing all right. But it's not only kids, right? It, it's me and you too, that we all have different fears. Maybe some of us here tonight are scared of heights. Maybe some of us are scared of, of bugs. Maybe some of us are, have claustrophobia. Maybe some of us uh, just have different troubles in this life that, that we fear. Different things that we don't know what's coming or we do see what's coming, and it makes us nervous at different points. All of us have those things. And when it comes to those fears, when it comes to those troubles, uh, where do you go? Better yet, who do you call? Who do you call when you have some type of of trouble. This is the second week we have now in this series in which we're going through in the summertime. We're going to look at all different psalms. Uh, the psalms are a beautiful piece of scripture that are given to us. Uh, Martin Luther described them as being the Bible in miniature, that you could read just the psalms and get a big influxion of everything that is encompassed in scripture delivered to you. And tonight, the one that we look at is uh, Psalm 27. It's really unique. King David is the author. Uh, he writes most of the psalms for us. And when he pens this psalm, it's at a time which he is under attack, truly under attack by enemies. Remember, he's a king. He has this kingdom. People want to take this from him. He has enemies, and they're coming at him from every angle. But somehow, King David is always able to maintain this strength and confidence in this pure hope and attitude of peace. And so tonight, as we look at this scripture, this psalm, I don't want us to just look at uh, the troubles that exist and focus on those. I want us to look at the response King David has and see and ask the question, how do we respond to troubles or hardships in life? What does that look like for us? Let's begin that psalm. It comes from, uh, again, Psalm 27, beginning at the first verse. King David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Again, David's enemies are completely surrounding him. He uses that almost graphic language to be able to describe the brevity of the situation. My enemies are coming to devour me. Uh, interestingly enough, as I thought about that this week, it's the same language that's used by Peter when he describes how the devil comes after us that the devil comes like this roaring lion seeking for someone to be able to devour. That he comes after us as that enemy in our times of troubles when we are weak to be able to take us over. King David knows what's that, what that is like, even in this difficult situation today. But he looks at it in a very uh, unique and honest manner. He doesn't try to hide that he has enemies. He doesn't have to hide that there's troubles. He acknowledges it. We shouldn't have to hide from our troubles. It's okay to be able to share with people around us, especially as Christians, to show others in the world that we are just like them, people who do not yet know Jesus, that we as Christians don't have these perfect lives, 
that we have lives that encompass big things, big troubles, big scenarios that at times are difficult for us to be able to get through. How do you react when it comes to one of those moments? Do you ignore troubles and act like they're not there? Do you suppress them and push them deep down and not share them with anybody? Are you somebody who just hopes that those problems are going to go away and that they're going to fade? Because they're not. They're here, and they're here in this world to stay. That's the truth that Jesus even shares in our scripture text. Listen again to that last verse that I read from that gospel, from John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You're going to have troubles, Jesus says. Physical troubles. Our bodies, they don't withstand forever. Emotional struggles that we go through. Painful times, not just against enemies, but sometimes against family or against friends. And it's difficult. And Jesus knows that. But he shares this truth with us. Why? He says, so you can have peace. Not peace in these troubles, but peace in these times of troubles. King David goes through and he mentions that in that psalm. Over and over again, he talks about, though, even though the enemies are going to besiege him, that he is going to be calm. Even though these armies are going to surround him, that he is still going to be faithful to the Lord. Because he knows where his stronghold lies. He knows that these problems are big. Don't get me wrong tonight. I am not saying that your, your problems or that your troubles are something just to throw aside. That they are not some type of a of big deal, because they are. It's difficult for us when we face those hard times. And those troubles can be big. They can be enormous. But the good news is, our God is bigger. Even though your troubles are big, our God is bigger. He can conquer those things. He can give us goodness during those times. And in the end, we know that the Lord prevails in everything. Let's continue with King David's words from Psalm 27, verses 4 through 6. King David says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So put yourself in David's shoes this morning. Remember, he is truly surrounded. When we talk about being surrounded by troubles, again, there are big things happening in our lives, but imagine where he's at. He's in this kingdom completely surrounded by enemies. The odds do not look good for him. And he says, so I need to ask this one thing. I need to make one call. Again, in your times of trouble, who is the person, the individual you're going to call? Most of us right now are probably saying, well, God, God is the one I'm going to call. Good, we got, we got that part right. What are you going to ask for? What do you ask God for in times of trouble? Imagine, David could have asked for 
anything, anything he wanted to, to get him out of this problem. He could have created even fictitious items. God shows up in in any form and does whatever he wants to do. Be creative with me tonight. What would you ask for? Would you ask for uh, a mythical, magical wizard to be on your side? Maybe somebody from the Lord of the Rings. He could come down there and he could take care of your enemies. Maybe we could ask for uh, a fire-breathing dragon to come down from Game of Thrones that he's going to take care of all the enemy for us. Maybe we can ask for a drone to be able to come, to be able to, to show up and to be able to bomb our enemy and to be able to destroy them. What would you ask for? What does David ask for? One thing, he says, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon his beauty. That's it, David? No cool tanks? No cool helicopters? No dragons? Just to have the Lord dwell in this house for you to be there with him? It's an amazing request because I catch myself doing this at times and I bet uh, you have too. We get into this time of trouble. Pick whatever trouble it may be. And I ask the Lord, God, will you please uh, remove this trouble from my life? Will you please take me out of this situation? That's the exact opposite that David asks for in our psalm. He doesn't say, Lord, help me escape. He doesn't say, Lord, get me out of here. He says, Lord, come be here with me in this trouble. Think about that prayer. Jesus just told us these troubles are going to exist. So who better to have with us during those times than God? God, don't take me out of this situation. Come be here with me in this situation. Make me face to face with you that I may know of your glory, that I may be able to see exactly what has happened and in this moment be united with you. Our troubles are are big, but it's always amazing when I look around and see the things that other people face, especially other Christians in different parts of the world. On Monday, I was reading an article and It had the longest title, but it directed my attention immediately to it. The title was uh, Chinese Christians Jailed for Their Faith, Memorize Bible Because Guards Cannot Take What Is Hidden in Your Heart. The article went on to describe uh, these Chinese Christians, in particular pastors, leaders of their churches, who had come together under the threat of persecution to meet with some Western American leaders to find out how do we lead our church? What do we do? Here's a quote from one of those Chinese pastors during that meeting. He said, we don't understand anything about leadership. We don't understand about Western leadership methods. Could you help us? All we know how to do is how to pray. All we know how to do is how to believe in God. The only leadership training we give our people, catch this, is we teach them how to witness to their executioner on their way to their execution. Think about that faith. Think about those those troubles. The article ended with the individual who was leading this conference saying, no, I, I will not pray for you 
because I need you to pray for me. Think of the faith that, that is there. To be able to take on that attitude that in that extreme trouble, that your life, the only thing we seem to truly possess beside our faith is being put to the test, is about to be extinguished, but that faith still lives on in their heart. It's an amazing testament to us when we think about our troubles. Again, how do you face your troubles? Do you allow them to become distractions so you can't focus on anything else that's around you, especially our life with the Lord? Do you allow those fears or troubles to be something that you feed and they get bigger and they get stronger and eventually they do consume or devour you? Do you allow those troubles to become these walls between you and God in which his presence begins to fade little by little? Or, or even in the, the face of death and the worst troubles do you, that you have and that I have, are we able to shout joys unto the Lord? Lord, come be here with me now. I, I trust you. Lord, come be here with us in this time. Give us peace because you are here with us. We are, are a people that have the inheritance of God, of eternity, right in our hand. But it's so hard to grasp sometimes when those troubles of the world are right in front of our face. The only way that they can be removed is what David prays. Lord, let me see you face to face. King Do David knows that uh, he's not perfect that he doesn't always follow through on this, that he too has shortcomings. Listen how he continues in Psalm 27, 7 through 9. He writes, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Again, David knows that he is a sinner. This psalm sounds great when you, when you sing it, when you read it, but David is no poster child for purity. The individual that writes this and sends these words to us tonight, is a, he's a liar, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer, he's a sinner just like us. And so I hope in knowing that, that we too can find ourselves in these pages, that we know as big as David's problems are, as big as David's sins are, as big as our troubles are, or our sins look to be, that we have this unity of being able to come together and still find peace in God. Be merciful, David cries, and we can cry too. Lord, don't turn your face away from me in anger. I ask you, my forgiveness. Come here and be with me now. I might be a sinner, but God, God, you are my Savior. And so David and us were called to trust in these promises of God at any and all costs. He goes on that there are more things that trouble us in life. Psalm 27, 10 through 13. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. 
Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be confident, David says and encourages us. Be confident that the Lord will never abandon you. Even when it feels like that, when it feels, God, where are you? Are you listening right now? There's a promise. God will never, never abandon us. And he makes those connections to our earthly relationships. Even though my father and mother may forsake me, God will never leave me. And maybe some of us in here know that story. Maybe you had a, a father that abandoned you. Maybe you had a mother that was neglectful. Maybe you had a son or daughter that took off and denied you. Maybe you had a close friend or even a spouse that turned their back against you or lied to you and sinned against you. Those things have happened to us in many different ways. We offer forgiveness to those people during those times just as God offers forgiveness to us because we know that he will never abandon us, no matter how bad those troubles seem to look. David says there's people that will say malicious things against us. There's people that will spout things off against us. This happens maybe for some of us at, at work. Maybe it's happened for you in your own home. Maybe, uh, God forbid, it's happened here in our church to some of us. But we still have faith, and we still push on, knowing that it's not the opinion of others that matters in our life, it's the promises that God gives to us. And so because of these and all other things, David says, I remain confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see his goodness in times of peace and in times of war. I'll see his goodness when I'm surrounded by enemies and when I'm surrounded by friends. I will see God's goodness when I am forsaken by others and I will see God's goodness when I am forgiven by his son. I will see the goodness of the Lord. We can be confident of these things, guys. We can know exactly who the Lord is in our life and what he has come to do for us. Because in the end of this book, we know exactly how it ends. In fact, those promises are throughout every page in this book, not just the conclusion. But look at the end with me for just a moment tonight. From the book of Re Revelation chapter 21, the vision that John gets of heaven that is promised to us. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Over and over again, we hear of this promise that we will be able to see the face of God, that we will live in perfection, that we will live with our Savior, Jesus Christ, eternally. And in that moment, when we reach heaven, every tear is gone from our eyes. Death will cease to exist. 
Mourning will not even be a word in our vocabulary. Pain will be something that we or our friends or family never feel again. But until then, we patiently wait. We're still here on this earth. We still have a great and big job to be able to do of sharing with others of who Christ is in our life and what he has come to do. In fact, those are David's closing words for us from Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. David writes, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So when it comes down to it, when we battle the fears of life, we wait for the Lord. When we are surrounded by those enemies on, on every side, we wait for the Lord. When those troubles seem enormous, like there's nothing that can make them go away, nothing that can heal this pain, this situation I'm in now, we wait for the Lord. And until Jesus comes back, no matter where you are at tonight, no matter what troubles you are in, our prayer tonight is that God will be there with you in those times. That even though our pains and toils and tears are horrendous, are big, our God is bigger. So we wait for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the time to be able to hear from your word tonight and take time, even in this moment, to be able to wait for you and the fulfillment of these great promises that you have given to your people. Uh, Lord, I know that it can be uh, trying, going through this time of uh, patience, of time of uh, suffering, potentially, in some of our lives. Lord, but please, 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 be there with us in those moments, that we may be able to look to you and know of the blessing that we have in your Son, the goodness that you have given to us, that you are always with us, that you have never forsaken us, and that you give us your forgiveness. In Jesus Christ's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.